everyone, and welcome to the Balanced Purpose Podcast. My name is Ray Trevino, and I am your host. Each week, we will explore the essential elements of living a fulfilling, balanced, and meaningful life. Our podcast brings together entrepreneurs, business executives, coaches, and everyday people like you and me who have seen challenges and have overcome adversities to create success and find balance in their lives. Whether you're a young professional seeking to make an impact in your career, a parent looking to balance work and family life, or a retiree seeking to create a new purpose, our podcast is something for everyone. So join us as we delve into the world of living a balanced and purposeful life and discover how you can create a life of balance and purpose for yourself. Today's guest is Stephen Rossi, the National VP of Sales for Corrosion Exchange and a mentor at Cairo's Prison Ministry. Stephen, welcome to our show. Man, happy to be here. Good to see you, brother. Why don't you tell the audience a little bit about yourself and maybe throw in a fun fact that many people may not know about you. So, you know, at this time in my life, I'm, you know, midlife, 49 years old. I've got two children. They're young. They're eight and 11. Went through a divorce, remarried. I originally was a school teacher when I got out of college. Did that for a few years. Wasn't really making enough money. Got on the corporate side of education where I got into sales eventually and, you know, won a bunch of top sales awards with different companies, some high accolades, Um, was a national presenter for a big textbook company, traveled the country doing big presentations. And uh, now I'm in the rust industry, corrosion control. I'm a VP of sales and uh, just plugging away. Can you tell us a little bit about Corrosion Exchange and what they do? You said you're in the rust business. What does that entail? So, yeah, we have a product. It's CleanWorks 207, and it's used as a surface prep. So if, if you're looking at a, like a large water tower, before you coat it you know, with a paint, you've got to prep the surface. And if, if you use our surface prep additive while you're prepping the surface, you'll never have any rust that comes through that and allows the coating to fail. So... We get rid of every single mechanism of corrosion. So I have to make rust sound fun and exciting. That is exciting. And who are some of your clients? Or not necessarily who, but what industries do you guys normally serve? Great question. So the more we're in this industry, the more verticals we're starting to see. I mean, think about corrosion. Everything from dental to implants that are inside people's bodies, oil and gas industry, food preparation industry with all the big machinery that makes pretzels and beer and whatever. Everybody deals with corrosion. So corrosion inside a dental implant. It's everywhere. And a lot of it comes from the metabolic byproduct of bacteria. So when it gets on these substrate with metal or whatever, it just wreaks havoc and allows the corrosion to come through. And we get rid of everything. And so you manufacture the product and then do you sell it to other companies who then put it into something else? Yep. We do a distributor model. So we have distributors that will then sell it for us. That is awesome. How long have you been in this line of work? Golly, it's not been that long, a little under a year with this position. Before that, I was a sales manager for a big swimming pool company out of Atlanta. So I was in the pool industry. And then before that, I was doing all educational stuff. And then COVID hit. So I got out of the educational market and got into some other stuff. So that's what I'm doing right now. And so let's talk about your journey. Let's start from the get go. What what led you to sales? I guess, have you done sales all your life? So started off waiting tables, you know, and when you're a waiter, you realize that if you can, you know, smooth talk people and get them to spend more money, your tips are going to be a little bit higher. So I started with that. Um, Eventually, I went to college. And when I was at college, I took a course. It was weather and climate. It was a weed out class is what they called it. It was really tough. 
people did horrible on it. Well, I ended up acing this class and they asked me if I would like to be a lab instructor while I was still going to school. So I was a weather and climate meteorology lab instructor for years, you know, working with college students. And I got the teaching bug. I fell in love with the earth sciences, which is astronomy, geology, weather and climate. Taught that for a few years and just wasn't making enough money. I saw my friends who had business degrees, you know, Steve, I got like a $5,000 a year bonus. And I'm like, yeah, I got 500 bucks, you know. (laughs) So got out of the teaching industry and got into educational sales. And I've worked for, you know, a couple of really big companies, did really well at it. It's all about building relationships, building rapport with people because they're going to buy from somebody they like you know, first, and then it's the product on top of that. So if you've got a, a great product with a great personality, it's it's a win-win. And that's kind of what I did for a number of years. COVID hit, threw everything off. And then I was given that opportunity to manage a team with swimming pools, which I did. And now I'm corrosion. What is your ultimate goal? Well, our ultimate goal right now is to expand this company globally. You know, we started from very, very small But, you know, we've got the big companies like your Sherwin-Williams that are extremely interested. They're testing our product right now, Um, you know, just to take it global. A lot of stuff going on in Europe, Singapore, um, because this is a global issue. I can't remember how many trillions and trillions of dollar deficit is because of corrosion. Oh, wow. Not to mention the big ships and tankers that are out there in the ocean. And yeah, we're talking to the Navy. We're talking to the Coast Guard. Yeah, all that. uh, SpaceX. It's insane, the amount of verticals. So it's exciting, but it's a headache at the same time. Like anybody trying to get a business off the ground, it's got its days. So as soon as you said SpaceX, the first thing that came to mind was space rust. But is there rust in space? I don't know if it's space (laughs) rust. What's crazy is the rust occurs because of our atmosphere, because there's moisture in the atmosphere and the oxygen and all that. It just causes things to corrode. And uh, we, we can solve that. And so you're a proud father and a husband. I kind of want to hear about a day in the life of Steve Rossi. So, and that's why I love this podcast, because it talks about what's your purpose. And, and the purpose is different. It, it changes through life. Right now, I'm at the point where I am a divorced father, and I'm remarried. So I see my kids one week on, one week off. So, you know, you're always a father, but when my kids aren't with me, it's it's difficult. So, You know, one week I've got my dad mask on and I'm going through life. And then another week I don't have my dad mask on and I'm just going through life. So how do how do you keep it stable? It's it's not what I envisioned in my life. It's not what I asked for, but you got to make the best of it, you know. And so you kind of asked the question for me. How do you keep this balanced? How do you keep it stable? It's it's difficult. You know, the the divorce was was horrific. It was something I never asked for. I never wanted, you know, definitely wasn't the perfect marriage, but it was not the worst circumstances either. We could have worked through anything and she just didn't want it. So, you know, I had to go through with it and then fight for your kids just to have them one week on one week off, you know? So the things that have really helped me, the biggest thing that helped me was honestly exercise. And it sounds cheesy to say that, but when I went through the divorce, the hardest thing was my, my identity was gone. I didn't know who I was. I would walk around Target for three hours with an empty basket, not knowing who I was anymore because my role as father was gone, caregiver, uh, financial, I get choked up thinking about it, um, financial supporter, um, husband, you know, it's just taken, it's, it's taken away from you. It's stripped from you and you don't know who you are anymore. And the only thing I had that was stable, there were two things. I was still going to church. I never hit the bars. I never went crazy, never got into drugs. 
I still kept going to church, but the gym is what got me through everything. Cause I could have the most stressed out, crazy, sad day where I'm just all in my head. And the minute you get under a squat rack, the minute you start hitting bench press, arm curls, whatever, it got my mind off of that struggle I was going through long enough to kind of reset me. And that freedom was there for a good 30 to 45 minutes after my workout. I felt okay. And it was, it kept me stable. So it, it sounds, I know it sounds crazy, but getting under the squat rack is awesome to relieve stress. It doesn't sound crazy at all. Cause for myself, I've gone through so many tumultuous times in my life. You know, I struggled with alcoholism and have had issues of my own. And through all of these times, ever since I was a kid, I mean, I grew up uh, not in the best home. You know, I didn't have the best childhood, but I can honestly say I've been going to the gym since I was 11 years old. And that was always my escape. You know, in that moment, it not only does it give you a sense of purpose, but then it creates a sense of achievement. Right. So when you're stranded in the middle of of this fog of who the heck am I? You know that once once you get under that squat rack that you're going to do 415 or whatever it may be, and once you achieve that, it's freaking awesome because you just discovered purpose, you just discovered achievement, and you just became somebody. And so I, I, it's not crazy. I can relate. I think that exercise is one of the most therapeutic escapes that a person can have. So I admire that. And so going through this time, how did you rediscover your identity? How did you get back to being Steve and Rossi? It took about a year because I was really lost, you know, because I'm living in a house. I've got my wife, my kids. I had two stepchildren at the time, a dog. And then I wake up one morning. I'm in my mom's guest room with little doilies and Peter Rabbit <laughs> on the walls, you know, like it's all I'm like, what has happened to my life? Like It was just it was rough. But I had to do it for my kids. You know, that was the main thing. And you slowly figure it out. You get through it. But man, at first, like I said, it's no lie. Walking around Target with an empty cart, just all in my head, trying to figure things out. What am I going to do? And it was okay for that first year. A year after the divorce, some horrible accusations were said about me to where my ex-wife wanted nothing to do with me. And they were all lies, but she absolutely wanted nothing to do with me at all. She's like, the only way we're going to contact each other is through text message. So now I'm divorced and I don't even have a relationship with my ex-wife to be able to talk about our kids, to be able to, hey, listen, you know, Ryan, he's he's hitting that adolescent phase. Let's let's go ahead and discuss how we can walk him through that. There's none of that. There's no just talking or anything with her. And that's that's been one of the hardest things because my kids see it and I try to be there for them as much as I can. And when you don't have that co-parenting going on. It, it's a little bit difficult. And I can see that there's a, a spark taken from both of my boys. And that's so hard to deal with as well. So it's just staying in church, going to the gym. And again, just trying to, I don't know, time does heal a lot of wounds. You know, I had a father that passed away in a violent house fire. And that was extremely traumatic. And time slowly heals that. So you slowly figure it out. But when you're at the bottom of the pit, when you look up and it's just all darkness, it's extremely hard. And and by the grace of God, like I said, I didn't go to drugs. I didn't go to alcohol. I got into church. And I tell people all I had was the hem, just the little string hanging off the cloak of Christ. That's all I had to hang on to. And it was enough to get me through it. And I, you know, when I teach at the prison ministry, I tell these guys, you know, the storms of life are coming. You might be in a storm right now. I don't know. And you might be doing just great. But in the distance, there's a storm lingering and it's got your name on it. 
and it's coming for you. And it's different for everybody. My storms of life are completely different from someone else's, but it's it's my own storm. And, and I've, I've now got some coping mechanisms to get through it. That's impactful, that quote. I've never heard it before. I don't know if you just made that up, but hanging on to a thread from the cloak of Christ, that is something that I can see. And that's so strong, right? Because again, coming from a guy who's been in a dark place, but I always saw just a little glimpse of light. Your quote just kind of put perspective to that. That's a great quote. Now, you're still actively involved with the prison ministry, right? Yeah, it's awesome. I was doing a lot of men's ministries, which are always awesome. They're usually like three or four day events. You leave, you're all fired up and it's awesome. And you've met these great guys. And one of the organizations it was called Tres Dias, which means three days in Spanish. It was a three day event. And while I was there, I heard, yeah, they got something just like this for prisoners. And I'm like, whoa, that would be awesome. <laughs> so I asked a buddy of mine, I said, hey, man, what, what's up with this Kairos thing? He goes, oh, we're having our first meeting next week. Why don't you be there and we'll get you signed up? And I'm like, uh, okay. <laughs> so what we do is we go in. Uh, I serve at the Wynn Prison Unit, which is right outside of Huntsville. Maximum security prison. I mean, it's got the worst of the worst. We spend about four days in the prison. We come home at night, of course. But um, we bring in outside food. There's about, I think, 16 or 17 different talks that are given throughout that weekend. We sit in little tiny groups where we get to know the guys. And I'll tell you, man, my first time going in, I was trembling. I've gone through all this training within Kairos and stuff. But when you go in, man, when that door and then they open up the next one, you walk into the next room, you get you get further into the belly of the beast, man. And it is freaky. <laughs> and I'll never forget this big brother walked up to me, man. He looked to be about six foot five. And he goes, hey, man, what's your name? And I go, oh, my name's Steve. He goes, my name's Hicks. <laughs> I go, hey, what's up, Mr. Hicks? <laughs> like, I was so scared. I'm trying to look tough because I've seen all these, you know, TV shows. He goes, I'm going to tell you something, man. You've got a bunch of good guys going through this weekend. And he holds up his hand and he's holding his Bible. And in my head, I'm like, Oh my God. Thank God. Like I was freaking out. He goes, you got a bunch of good guys going through. We're praying for y'all. And I'm like, you know what? This is going to be all right. So anyway, you meet dudes with full face tattoos, you know, the heads of different gangs and this and that, but you learn in the end, they're all people, man. And some people have done some horrible things to get in there. And, but there are some very, very good guys that are extremely smart, knowledgeable on the faith. I mean, just salt of the earth, wonderful people. And, uh, it's, it's changed my life. You know, it's changed my outlook on everything. That's crazy. Cause you're a pretty big guy yourself, aren't you? Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's funny now. Cause, cause Hicks, he's really only five foot 10. <laughs> so you're bigger you know, than he when is. I saw him. I was like, Oh my God. He's, he's a big guy, but he's not like, yeah. you know, he's not that, but I was so scared. It's terrifying. You know, but now I walk in there because what we, the first time we walked in, we're walking down the hall and there's a guy, the guy in front of me, we're all in uh -huh. line. He's waving everybody. <laughs> He's waving over here. Hey, what's up, man? man? How you doing? Good to see you. Good to and we get to the gym where we have this Kairos and I go, hey, did you know all those guys? He's like, no, I didn't know any of them. I'm like, all of them. <laughs> he goes, brother, look, we're the light of the world coming in an extremely dark place. Just wave, man. They'll wave back. They're human. I'm like, oh, okay, cool. All right. Talk about a lesson learned. Yeah. The biggest lesson was one of the inmates came up to me and he goes, hey, Mr. Steve, uh, remember when they said that, you know, if, if you need somebody to talk to, like we can come ask you guys to talk. I need to talk to you. In my head, I'm like, all right, here we go. I'm going to, 
use all my little counseling skills that I've learned in the training. And we go over in the corner. He goes, now, listen, I, uh, I'm an intercessor to prayer. He goes, God speaks to me. And, and he told me, I know you're having a lot of problems with your wife right now. And you guys have been fighting. And he gave me these scripture verses to give to you. Then I want to give these to you. And I'm like, it totally backfired. Like, I was like, oh my gosh, he's now ministering to me. And I don't know how he knew me and my wife were arguing. I don't know how, but God spoke through him and, and I'm sitting there crying. I'm like, uh, uh, you know, my, my lips quivering. Thank you so much. And he's, yeah, man, we're here for you, brother. And that was like the first 20 minutes of being in this place. I mean, it was, it was crazy. So God is real. I don't even know what to say. Did you ever find out how he knew that about you? He, he's an intercessor to pray. God speaks to him. That's the only way he could have known. Yeah. He already had his scriptures written out that he gave to me. And yeah, it was, it was special. Gosh, that's crazy. How, how God intervenes with people. And I can't deny that. Like, I'm not making that story up. That really happened. And when it's that real, you're like, okay, I'm all in. Yeah. You know, I've got a lot of those. (laughs) So at what point during your prison ministry, or was there a point during this time that you just felt it in your heart that this is where I'm supposed to be right now. This is why things have happened in my life to bring me to this place. It all started like when I first started teaching weather and climate, like that first semester, I was terrible. Like it is, it's one thing to sit down with a bunch of science books and memorize them and then take a test. But when you have to verbalize it, when you have to talk about it to students who have no idea, you have to really craft how you're going to approach things and start from the bottom and build and this and that. And I've honed that craft over the years as a presenter and doing sales for so long. I am very, very gifted and I'm not tooting my own horn, but I can take complex information, break it all apart, dumb it down, put in the little fun puns and jokes and all that and give a powerful lesson. And it's just something that I've, I've, like I said, I've crafted, I've been gifted with it. And it was when I gave my first talk at Kairos that I was like, man, which it's, it's a talk that discusses Christ and all that. But in that talk, you're also giving your own testimony. And it's that testimony that really speaks to these guys and really speaks to any guy. Because so many times we think, oh, look, he's the CEO. He has it all together. Oh, there's the operations manager of this big company. He has it all together. And what people forget is that we're all a freaking mess. We all have skeletons in the closet. Life is not fair for anyone. And I tell people, hey, man, if you've had a pretty good life up to the age of 30s, 40s, 50s, Way to go, man. Like you haven't had any loved ones pass away yet. You haven't had any run-ins with substance abuse or just craziness. It hits everybody. The thing is also it's relative to them. What happened in my life, like I said earlier, is totally different than what happened in someone else's life. But it could be a huge catastrophe for them. And I might look at it and go, huh, was that all? Just like with my stuff, somebody could be, is that all you went through? Okay, you're crying a little too much, Steve, but it's relative to me. Yeah, it is. And it's, it's how you treat it and how you come out of it. That's the actual testimony behind it, right? Yeah. Where you reach and what you reach to. That's right. Because you said it, you could have easily gone to alcohol, drugs, just to things that a lot of people do, like these CEOs and, and other people that seem to have this perfect life, yet they go home and, and tank down a bottle of whiskey. I know I was that guy at one point. Mm. But speaking of changes and going through different things in our lives. You recently had mm. an experience. I did. I want to hear all about this. Yeah, this was huge. This was psychedelic therapy, which it sounds crazy to say it because you, you feel like a loon when you say it. But uh, 
I listen to a bunch of podcasts. So I listen to the Sean Ryan podcast. He's a former Navy SEAL. Team Never Quit, which is Marcus Luttrell, the former Navy SEAL, who is also a fraternity brother of mine. Him and Morgan, his twin brother, we were all in a fraternity together. I started hearing about this medicine called Ibogaine and how it just has insane effects on people's mental stability. And they can take full-blown heroin addicts give them one dose of Ibogaine, and then 12 hours later, they're fine. All the cravings are gone. Their brain has been rewired, remapped. I don't know how it works, but they have no cravings for heroin at all. No cravings for all different types of things. In the Sean Ryan podcast, he does a great job of going step-by-step what his experience was like. And then I heard Mm -hmm. Marcus Luttrell's experience with Ibogaine, and I knew Marcus. He was a rough, tough, yeah, I'm going to be a Navy SEAL one day. I'm like, okay, good luck with that. (laughs) I called that one wrong, him and Morgan, (laughs) twins. But uh, when I heard his podcast, I said, man, I'm going to look into this. So I looked into a clinic. It's called Ambio, A-M-B-I-O. Ambio Life is the website. They do the Ibogaine treatment along with 5-MeO-DMT which is the sacred Sonoran frog, right? The poison from the frog. Mm -hmm. And I took the leap of faith and signed up for this week-long, good five days we were there down in Mexico. And it was incredible. It was the most amazing week I've ever had in my life. Not just because of the Ibogaine, but because of the the whole week. You are taken care of. First off, the, the whole goal is to get you out of the rut of life. So, you know, you show up. It's in Mexico. We did a traditional Spanish sweat lodge. We did hours of breath work. We did a massage, which I've never gotten a massage in my life. I've always made fun of like, whatever, not having some dude rub me down. Dude, it was awesome. (laughs) (laughs) I'm all about it now. How you doing? uh, It was incredible. What else? Breath work. Uh, They did yoga. I mean, and then, you know, you're also with your little, there's only like five or six of us going through this week, but you're waiting on hand and foot. The house is beautiful. There's a full medical staff, doctors, nurses. They have professional chefs that are preparing all the food. And it's just to get you in a state of complete relaxation. And then... One evening, they administer the medicine, the ibogaine. It's done through four doses. It was a red pill, just like on the Matrix. You wait 45 minutes, and then you kind of start feeling it a little bit. When you start feeling it, you go to the room, and they have all the mattresses laid out. They have little puke buckets next to you because you do purge during this time. It's different than ayahuasca. And I went in with the intention, and they say don't do this, but I was like, Ibogaine, I look so forward to meeting you and going through this experience of what you're going to teach me. Like I was all kind of earthy about it, you know, and man, when that dose hit me, you ever seen the Avengers when, when the Incredible Hulk has, oh, who's the one he's flinging around the room? I can't remember his name. Or just imagine Hulk smash, you know, that Ibogaine, when it came in, it was like a freaking tornado of images of chaos of sound and scared the hell out of me and i'm like whoa my heart rate was fine you're wearing a mask right you have a little face mask and at any time you can pull the face mask up and you're kind of back in the room it's like a weird dreamlike state you're in but i mean it was showing me visions i saw my deceased grandfather at one point i remember there was a a chair that was in my living room growing up in the old house I used to live in. I remember seeing the chair and it was just utter chaos. It's different for everybody. For me, it was just like, what the heck is going on? 
And it lasts a good 12 hours. I mean, when this thing peaked, I mean, I was only six hours in. And then next thing you know, it's kind of over and you're coming out of this. And then you spend a day or two in what they call gray day, where you're just kind of, you're hung over. But what's happening is, and I don't understand the science behind it. There's a huge Stanford study that's going to come out. I saw some of the data from it, which is incredible because it, it remaps the brain. It rewires it somehow. So you're talking about veterans that have had traumatic brain injuries, completely healed. You have, like I said, heroin addicts, major opiate addiction, gone. It left me during those the gray day. For me, it was a full two days of just being bedridden as my brain is remapping itself. I mean, it was, I hit a big depression. And eventually when that depression lifted, it was a good two days. But when that depression lifted, when I came out of that little funk, everything was fine. All mm. the sadness of the divorce, the sadness of all this malicious stuff that I went through in the past, the uncertainty of life, it was just gone. And I couldn't even find it. I could sit there and be like, wait a minute, where's that sadness? Where's that? Like I was healed and I've never experienced anything like that. And then when you top it off with that 5-MeO, the Sonoran frog, which it gives you that experience of Christ. It gives you that universal, the, 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 the peace of the universe. You know, it takes you back to that place where you once were before the chaos of life hit you and you feel that embrace of love and kindness and, and it's beautiful place to be. When you put all that together, it's truly impactful and it's amazing. And the people that I went through the week with, we are tight knit. We keep in touch all the time. We all went through this crazy experience. I mean, you're throwing up, you're next to you. Other, I mean, people are throwing up and it's just chaos. And you're like, what is going on? But when it's all said and done, you're a better person and you're healed from this. Cause I was definitely going through some traumatic minor PTSD, nothing like a veteran went through, but I've, I've had some, some mm -hmm. things that have happened to me that were just horrific and I don't wish it on anyone. And it got me through that funk that I was in. So how do you feel now? I feel good. There's a whole level of integration. Like once you go through that week, like you have calls with people and different webinars we jump on and we discuss, but I'm much more into waking up early in the morning now. And this again, goes back to that purposeful life. I write down 10 things that I'm grateful for every morning now. And I spend time on each one. You know, I'm so grateful for my kids. And I sit there and I think about my children, how wonderful they are. Then I think about my wife. And then I think about just the fact that, Hey man, I've got a fork in my kitchen that I can eat with. I'm so grateful for that fork. Cause you know, after days and days and days of doing this, you run out of things <laughs> to be grateful for. So you start just making stuff up, like finding things. Wow. The couch I'm sitting on is amazing. I'm so grateful for that. And what happens is you're in that attitude of gratitude and you can't be upset about life when you do that. And that's, you know, that's one of the things that has helped me a lot as well is daily journaling, just a little time of meditation in the morning after I work out, I've upped my workouts a little bit more. Even though I went through that that week experience over in Mexico, I still feel like I might go back in a year or two. I don't think I got everything I needed to get out of it. And there's a lot more to the story, but Ibogaine is going to change the world. There's no doubt about it. And it's a it's a shrub that's it's grown over in, in Africa. It's been around for thousands of years. The ceremonies have been around for thousands of years. You are taken care of 100% when you're at this clinic. There's a nurse next to you the whole time. You're hooked up to EKG monitors. I mean, it's a medical mm. type thing. It's incredible. It's not, it's not super earthy and all that, even though there is that little element. I thought it was going to be like this big hippie event. 
It was very well monitored. I mean, you're given IVs before, you're given an IV afterwards to replenish all your fluids and vitamins. I mean, it was amazing. And I, if anybody can go to the those types of clinics, I, I highly suggest it. I have a goal to do that. Although I've been looking into uh, spending my 50th birthday, which is still a, a few years away in the jungles of Peru mm. is where I want to go. Wow. Yeah. But Ibogaine and I, what's it? Ayahuasca. Ayahuasca is, is what I've been looking into. And I think that's what they're doing up there. They are. However, mm. I heard that Aaron Rodgers had recently spent a couple of weeks doing that stuff. Mm-hmm. And now he's kind of tormented in the locker rooms by like a shadow creature or something. Oh, geez, really? Yeah, that he's to be in the locker room alone now because he sees the lights turning off and then he sees a shadow figure. I just don't want that to creep out of the dark corners. <laughs> so the ayahuasca is a type of DMT. That Sonoran frog, when we took it, that's like a full-blown dose. I mean, you're getting what ayahuasca will take six hours. You're getting it within 15 minutes. And when it's done, it's over. You go through this crazy anxiety. You're freaking out. And all of a sudden, you're embraced with the love of the, the eternal. You know, it's beautiful and you don't want to leave and it's wonderful. And then it just fades away and you're back in reality. No hangover, no nothing. And you're just, it's beautiful. And that's the way we finished that weekend off is with that 5-MEO. The Ibogaine was insane, but it's wonderful at the same time. You come out of the fog, all the anger, the sadness, depression, it's all gone. And then that 5-MEO just polishes you out. So the way... Trevor Miller, who is one of the, the guys at Ambio, you can find him on podcast. He says that the Ibogaine will kind of sandblast you from the inside out and the 5-MEO will just polish you out, which it does. And it was a beautiful experience. So you think that Ibogaine was just unraveling all the chaos that's instilled in your body, all the trauma that I was just do. lingering. That's what it sounds like to me. Yeah. I was expecting like... Butterflies. <laughs> yeah. Unicorns. I was like a little four-year-old, like, this would be so great. <gasps> oh, <laughs> I was like, oh, like, what the frick? But again, you know, you're seeing image, you're seeing visuals, and then you lift your mask up and you're back in the room. You know? You're like, oh, everyone's quiet. You know, at one point I remember I rolled over, I'm like, I'm so dizzy, I'm dizzy. Uh, the nurse put his hand on my shoulder. Hey brother, you're okay, you're in a safe place. And you're like, oh, wait, I am in a safe room. You know, the chaos is all on you. It's it's nuts. And it's not visual. Like, you don't pull them up and the walls are melting and, you know, in the you know, you're not hearing music. <laughs> or it's when you lay back and you close your eyes, all these mental things. And But the traumatic brain injuries are gone. I mean, these are guys that were hard-charging veterans, you know, blowing up doors and whatnot, who have some pretty bad brain damage. I mean, it's, they're curing it. And, and when this study comes out, it's it's going to change the medical world, I think. I can't wait. So how are you currently finding balance now that you're back in your life? We'll go back to that question. You know, the weeks, one week on with the kids. One, I just took the kids back to their moms recently. So, you know, I kind of closed their bedroom doors and I kind of shut that part out for that week, which is always difficult. And then I just focus on hitting the gym, spending time with the wife doing yard work, you know, it's all the basic stuff, trying to stay in the word as much as I can. And then when the kids come back, it's back in dad mode and it's chaos. It's not the way I wanted it, but it's the life that I have right now. So I have to stay focused at it. And I've got to do everything I can to be the role model for them, but also the role model for myself. I've got to put things in place because one of the things I found out at Ambio that kind of was revealed to me is that my four-year-old little Steve, you know, my little inner child, all he ever wanted to do was help people and, mm-hmm. and make people smile and laugh. And through no fault of his own, life just really kicked the crap out of him, you know? And 
I saw that little, that little four-year-old when I was going through the experience and he was so sad. So now it's like, I just got to do things to, to protect that little inner child. Cause he, he's been through a lot. And again, no fault of some fault of my own, but some things just, just happen to you in life. You, you're given a crappy hand and you go through some horrific stuff. So I just got to be there for me. So you discovered this four-year-old. Isn't that amazing? And this is just me thinking out loud, but you went back through chaos to discover mm-hmm. the purest form of yourself, which was that four-year-old. Yeah. And that was not revealed to me till the day after that, that first gray day. You know, they take you back to your room. One dude, he woke up, man, I'm hungry. He's off eating sandwiches like 12 hours later. And I'm like, like I'm a mess. They take you back to your room. You lay there. And I remember the bed was so comfortable. It was just like, it was beautiful. And as I was lay there, you know, I was like, man, that was crazy last night. But I felt this darkness come over me, this crazy depression. And in that insane depression I was in, I remember seeing the side of a hill. And on that hill was just my past marriage, all the mistakes I've made you're a loser, like just such sadness. And at the base of the hill was that four-year-old and it didn't look like me, but I could tell it was my four-year-old self just Mm. crying. And I remember him saying, I just wanted to help people. I just wanted to help people. And you see the ruins of everything. And when I finally came out of it, I felt, I mean, driving to the airport, I had this crazy anxiety, like it was horrific. And I thought, crap, I've done brain damage. Like I've screwed myself going to this place. And when I got to the airport, I got off by myself and I was trying to put the happy face on for everybody. I called my wife. When I heard her voice, I teared up and started crying a little bit. And then I called my mom and, you know, I apologized to my wife about some stuff that I, you know, just being mean and whatever, just life of a husband. Called my mom, apologized to some, you know, some stuff with her and just cried. And as soon as I hung up the phone, I put my head back, took a 10 minute cat nap when I woke up. That's when everything was gone. Mm. Like the stress, the sadness. It was at the airport. It was like two and a half days later after that whole Ibogaine journey. Gosh, what an amazing story. Yeah. And I sat there in the airport in my own head like, wait, where's the sadness? Where's the anger? Where's the frustration? Whoa, it's freaking gone. Like, oh my gosh, it worked. It really worked. And then you get back into the real world and then the frustration and the anxiety all comes right back, you know, because, yeah. but that's why this integration is so important. Learning these little tricks you can do, like the attitude of gratitude and writing out past accomplishments, you know, like I said, it gets to the point where you run out of stuff. So you're like, man, I, I won the third grade poetry contest. You know, you're just writing whatever you can think positive things about yourself and it, it helps it, it starts your day off. Right. It kind of tells you too what this world brings us because you just went through all this chaos, unraveled everything, came out in peace, and then your mind automatically goes and starts looking for, where's the chaos? Where's the, you know, like like we're programmed to look for destruction. And it's sad, but you're doing the right things. If more people had an attitude of gratitude and appreciated how great we, America's great. Like I'm sitting here talking to you. You're in Houston. I'm in Spring Branch, Texas, and we're hanging out in air conditioned homes when there's so much out there that's just not this great and people still want to complain, you know? Right. I appreciate all that. The thing I thought about is, you know, the veteran community, because they see such horror during war. You know, you're you don't forget what you saw, but now there's no emotion tied to it. You know, I still remember all the things that were done to me. 
mm-hmm. but there's no emotion tied to it anymore. I don't have that inner anger anymore, or sadness or anything. It's just gone. And as long as I can stay on top of this integration and, and what I'm going through now, I think, you know, in the long run, I'll be all right. And that's just like purpose and balance. You know, it's a journey. A lot of people think that once they find this one thing, once I become CEO or once I win the lottery or once I find that right spouse, I'll be purposeful and I, that's all I need. And that's not the way it is. I mean, you have to continue even, even in marriage, you know, I've, I've got a great wife and a great family, but it's work every day. It really is. And so moving on to purpose, how would you define purpose? What does purpose mean to you? Well, again, I think of my own life and how the purpose has changed through the years. You know, when I was single, my purpose was to be successful at work and to try to find a mate. And that was that. And then you get married and have kids. Purpose changes then. Well, now my purpose is, is completely different than what your purpose is, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's different for everybody. Um, my purpose now is just to be at peace with myself and to understand that the storm is on the horizon and it's coming again. Is it going to be a layoff? Is it going to be a global catastrophe? Is it going to be a hurricane that hits Houston and wipes me out? I don't know what the next storm is going to be for me, but it's on the horizon and it's coming and I have to prepare now. So I got to get myself in a, you know, financially try to get myself set up properly, mentally get myself set up, you know, all those aspects. That's my purpose right now is to get ready for that, that next storm that's brewing on the horizon. Now going through this awesome, incredible journey that you had, knowing your purpose and knowing what you have to do, how do you keep yourself focused and not pulled away by all the noise around you, by all the chaos around you? So what what I did was I was talking to a gentleman who is a former veteran, Delta kind of operator guy. And he said, you know, write down the 10 things that you want out of your life. Like, just sit down and really focus, get deep. What do you want out of your life? If the list is 20, it's 20. And what you have to do is anything that is deviating you from that list, get rid of it. He said, I am the biggest quitter right now. And I've been through the highest military training you could imagine where you never quit. You don't quit. You do He goes, I quit everything now. Instagram is no longer serving me. Get rid of it. Reading the news, watching the news is not serving me for my list. Get rid of it. You know, fast food is not serving me. Get rid of it. Take care of my body, you know. And when you start doing that, you can improve your life and it does improve your purpose as well. So when those storms of life hit you, you're better prepared versus being in a state of confusion and chaos. Because when the storm hits you, then it's a nightmare. Yeah, you're not going to be able to stop and check your likes. Yeah, exactly. The right. optimistic way of becoming a quitter. I like it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's it. Now, what legacy would you like to leave for the people of the world? Man, it's it's real simple. You know, mainly my boys. I just want I want them to be in in a as good a headspace as they can because they were given a a rough hand starting off because the divorce happened when they were little. So I want them to be healthy. And I just want people to know that you can exude the fragrance of Christ Mm. is, is what I say all the time, you know, just that the love and and be patient with other people because you don't know what anybody else is going through. So I, I I just want to leave the world in a, in a more loving fashion than when I got here. And I'm trying to do that all the time. And I'm not perfect because I screw up all the time. I yell at people and I get frustrated, but I'm trying to stay focused on that. I'm the same way. I, I try and I, I'm all about love and kindness, but you catch me on a 70 mile per hour highway and somebody going 55 in front of me, you know, kind of <laughs> changes really, really quick. Right, right. Yeah. It's, it's always battling that ego. That's one thing I've been reading a lot about is our own, is our ego and how my ego is Stephen Rossi, 
and all the stuff he's been through. But in reality, I'm a spiritual creature and that ego just gets in the way. So how do I allow that, that spirit self to lead more versus my, my sinful ego? You know, you've probably heard this before and I, I won't ever stop preaching it. But for me, it was Mark 10 45 for even the son of man came not to be served, but to serve and give his life for a ransom. When I read that scripture, I was going through a dark time and I saw my life flash before my eyes and I realized that I was living for self. And when I stopped living for me and focused on everything around me, I, I focused on what was in front of me. Like right now I'm living for you. I'm living for Nick and, and whoever's listening. Yeah. But when I quit focusing on my Myself and how I feel right now, things just right. started to change around me. That's right. Yeah. I've got one final question. So for somebody who's out there struggling right now, that's maybe going through a divorce or just going through a really hard time in their life, what's some advice that you would give to that person? First one is be patient with the emotions because the emotions come in like waves, man. Some days you'll be fine. Other days you're not. Just be patient with that. It will get easier with time. Um, hit the gym, go out for a walk, do something to get your mind off the things. Like I said, for me, it was, it was the gym because the workout was stressful enough to get me out of that mindset I was in. I don't know what it is for others, but this too shall pass and, and just, you know, cling to Christ, stay in the word. That's one thing that's always helped me because I noticed that when I'm in the word more, when I'm studying more, more coincidences happen. Like, whoa, that was weird. I was just reading about this and, you know, it's like the guy when I was at prison, the guy who was giving me the scripture about my wife and that we were arguing. I mean, what a coincidence. No, that was that was God doing work. You know, I actually was just prompted to ask you one more question. Your four year old self is standing in front of you right now. What advice do you want to give four year old Stephen Rossi? It's going to be OK. Just do your best. It's going to be OK. You'll get through this. That's what I would tell him. It's not your fault. What's well, the advice I give to my kids now? I'm trying to get them going. I, I give them all the advice I'd be giving my four-year-old self. You know, you're better than who you think you are. Love others. That's good. I, I tell mine not to eat Legos. I'm just, <laughs> I'm just right. joking. I, I, I love on them so much. Man, it's been a great conversation today. Thank you so much for joining us. Happy to be here. Keep up the great work, Ray. You're awesome. Balance Purpose Podcast was created and hosted by me, Ray Trevino, and is produced and edited by Nick Goldney. Thank you for tuning in. We hope you've enjoyed this episode. Check us out at balancepurposepodcast.com and on Instagram at balancepurposepodcast. Remember, finding your purpose is a journey, not a destination, and it takes time and effort to achieve balance. Make it a great day.